happy anniversary. There's not really like an anniversary song, is there? Because all I've got at the moment is Stevie Wonder's happy birthday. And, and it's not it's not your birthday, but it's our wedding anniversary. Let's write, we should write one. We can make a fortune like the woman who wrote happy birthday. Oh yeah, that's a really good idea. There's no Easter songs. Is there not? One about a chick or something? No. The birdie song. <laughs> I like the birdie song. Yeah, of course I do. There's no New Year songs either, apart from New Year by Sugar Babes. I mean, you're really pulling it out of the bag there. <laughs> it's not really had the commercial success of Happy Birthday, has it? Not really, no. 1999? Yeah. Are you still talking about New Year? Yeah, yeah. That's like the millennium, though. Yeah, but, you know, the bet they still play it at New Year's Eve things. Yeah, they probably do. I hate New Year, so I know I've not do. been to one for years. I know. It's fine. Sorry. It's not fine. <laughs> you you will hear, listener, from that that it's not fine that I hate New Year and refuse to go out. But you're quite but... happy about Christmas. Yeah, Christmas is fine. because you get loads of presents at Christmas? No, no, no. It's because New Year's amateurs night. Okay. Like, but... it's just full of people who, like, it's just full of people trying too hard. And, yeah, I, I hate it. Good. Oh, I'm really pleased that you're filled with hate on our wedding anniversary. No, I, I mean, I'm quite happy about our wedding anniversary. It was a lovely day. Yes. Um, two yeah. years. Does it feel like two years to you? Because it feels much longer to me. Things have changed a lot since then. Yes. Know, we've had, as anyone who's listened to this podcast will know, we've had quite a last 18 months. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think it's, no, it doesn't seem like two years at all. No. Yeah. You still, still happy? I mean, what a question to ask on the podcast. I mean, just I feel if I said anything other than yes, it would this make this yeah, very significant. Yeah. And uh, I just thought I just asked the question. Anyone needs to have a very important conversation. <laughs> I might stop recording at that point. Yeah, yeah. you know, you're yeah, all right. It's all right, isn't it? You tolerate me. Yeah, and you tolerate me. So that's that's all you can ask for, really, in a marriage, isn't it? Yeah. Bit of tolerate toleration. Tolerance is, that a word? is the Toler- word you're looking tolerance. for. Tolerance. Yeah. Good. Excellent. What's more important is I've got a week off work. You have. And that's really well organised as well. I didn't think about this, but you've actually organised it off the back of our wedding anniversary. So it's sort of a week. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what, how I organised it. Uh, well, I'm thinking, you know how some people have like a birthday week? We could have an anniversary week? No, we're not. Oh. I mean, we're just going to be sat around the house and occasionally popping out for a little walk here and there. We're seeing some people, which yeah, is nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, socially distanced, from... yes. visiting people. Yes, and people are coming to us, and yeah, it's all it's all good. Are they? Yeah, things uh, I haven't told you about. I'll tell you about them off podcast. This is how I learn what's happening with my, my holiday from work. <laughs> yes. My first week off since probably Christmas. Yeah, I did say, I said to your mum today, I think it was, I did say, we've got lots of things booked for this week. And I think your little face just was like, what? What, what what have we got booked? I was like, I've got something booked in every day. Exciting. Oh, I'm off to the cinema. I'm yeah, to... I know. Well, you were looking, weren't you? You were looking to go. Yeah, I'll find something. But it wasn't like on at the time that you want to go. But... I'll find a way. And and um, speaking of the cinema, that was terrible. That was a terrible movement. And speaking of the cinema, um, Tenet is, is coming to the UK. It's nine Finally. days away. Is it nine days? I can't do the maths. Okay, well, you know me in maths, so I'm no help. Uh, it's uh, 10 days away now. Okay, yeah. I didn't realise it was that that quick. So it's the end of August. Yeah, it's a week on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. I mean, I should have really took that week off and then... Uh... Yeah, bad timing there, mister. Bad mm. timing. Are we going to do a tag team going to the cinema again? I think we are, and I think we should do a Tenet spoiler special as well because I loved doing the Knives Out spoiler special. I really like doing the bonus episodes. I don't know what it is about the bonus episodes. I'm always like really up for them. So um, I, I really would like to do a, a Tenet one. Okay. Well, we'll arrange something and then mm. we'll get it out as quick as we can because I think yeah. Strike by the Iron's hot. Yeah, and also... What this is, is <laughs> this is me trying to wangle away that I can go to see it on the opening night. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, like last time? Yes. You, right, okay. Yeah, so um, Mark has a habit of really wanting to go and see films on, on the opening night so that he can, in his words, talk to me about them. This is before we had the podcast, but now, of course, you've got the excuse of the podcast that you're not just talking to me about them, you're talking to other people, weirdly. Yeah. Because, weirdly, other people are listening to us right now. 
So yeah, that that's yeah. basically my plan. So cool. we do, we well, I'll have to go first night. Yeah, yeah I don't think I've got a choice to. in the matter. And then I'll have to find a, a opportunity to go as well. Yeah, probably <laughs> that, that can happen too. Yeah, tenet that'll be exciting. I hope it's not shit. It's Nolan. It won't be. Even the worst Batman. Even the worst Batman wasn't rubbish. I, no, I think Dark Knight Rises is rubbish. You talked to me about this the other day, didn't you? I I don't understand why you're so vehement about that. Like, it's not a bad film. No, it. I think it. I think it is. I think it's. I think Nolan films work because they are like they work like clockwork, and everything fits together. And that's like the best bit about Inception is that it sets rules and it plays by them. Batman Dark Knight Returns is just literally. Dark Knight Rises. Oh, yeah, see, have we forgotten its name? That's how... You're thinking about um, Rises and Returns from Star Wars, which we've talked about before. Yeah, probably. That just... It's just, firstly, we're set in a universe where no one knows who Batman is. Then, in that film, everyone knows who Batman is, just instantly, for no reason. And it just doesn't fill in gaps. Like, one minute he's across the universe, like, just coming out of a... Just coming out of a prison, which you can get out of. And then he just pops up at Gotham. And it's just nothing like so. He's made bankrupt because Bane breaks into the Gotham Stock Exchange in New York City. We walk yeah, past we it, walk past it, and hacks into their computer system and sells all his stock, or like somehow trashes all his stocks. And so then the next scene, you've got like him talking to Alfred, going, "Oh yeah, God, it's going to take ages to get that sorted out." No, someone just crashed in. Anything that was done during that time would be null and void. Mm, I, th- I think you've just got a thing against it. I think you're just not happy with it. No, I expected more. And well, I think that, expectations do go down. And I think yeah. expectation, expectations do come into this. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're you're seeing it as, well, the third in a trilogy, it's a Nolan. You're wanting more and more as it goes on. And maybe because of the um, the performance of Heath Ledger as the Joker... In the second one, in the the one that's I can't Dark remember Knight. Dark Knight. I never get that right. Um, in the Dark Knight it was such a you know it's five star film all over the place, and you had that iconic role. Then you're waiting for the next thing, aren't you? And maybe it just took a little bit of a turn down. But I don't think it's a bad film. I enjoy watching it. I think Anne Hathaway's performance is brilliant. I really like the addition of Tom Hardy because who doesn't like Tom Hardy in any film? And, you know, it was a nice little round-off at the end. I like the ambiguity of the ending as well. So, you know, when you tell me that I'm telling you that something, that your opinion is wrong on films? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's a very good film. Okay. Should we talk about TV? Yeah, I've not got a lot to talk about, but, uh, yeah. I've got got plenty. (laughs) You've got loads. I've got plenty. Okay. Let's go. Watching television, watching television. I'll go first, because I've not really got a lot to say. Okay. I've been really busy with work because I'm finishing up this week um, for my week off, so I've not had a chance to. I've been getting home late because I've actually had to go into the office this week. So yeah, long story. I've not had a chance to watch a lot of things, but I'm watching a couple of things like in the background first thing in the morning. So I just wanted like touch upon them. First thing is Orange is the New Black season three. Oh okay. So hang on a minute, can we back up a little bit? So yeah. you started watching. Orange is the New Black, like, years ago, didn't you? Yes. Like, when we were in a different house. Yeah. And then it stopped. But what, where is it now in terms of... It's finished now, the whole... Yeah, I think it's finished after six or seven after seasons. six or seven, right, okay. So here's my relationship with Orange is the New Black. Yes. I start watching it. There's far too many characters. After about two or three episodes, I get really back into it, and I really enjoy a lot of the characters. And then after... The 13th episode, which all, I think they're all 13 episodes long. I'm like, yeah, I'm done with that. I'm going to put it away for a year. And then I come back. I've forgotten all the characters. And I just repeat that, that cycle. It's all right. Like, I'm sure no one needs to tell me the, what the Orange is the New Black about is about. It's a women's prison. It's based on a true story of someone who went to just a middle class woman who got put in with a drug smuggling gang, I think. Yeah, there's some sort of financial crime as well. And so got sent to prison, mm. uh, and it's based on her memoirs. The I think we talked last week about how we like things with a nice grounded central character and wacky characters around that work well. This is the exact opposite of that. Piper is the main character in Orange is New Black based on the author of the Orange is New Black book. She is the most dull character 
And I think it took them halfway through the second series to work that out. She's also really annoying. She's annoying. Mm. She leaves her nice, boring but safe boyfriend to... Jason Biggs. Jason Biggs, yeah. To hook up with uh, this awful woman, uh, played by Laura Preffin. Oh, she's a bit more exciting than Jason Biggs. I mean, Jason Biggs is meant to, he's very vanilla. And like Laura Preppen is amazing. And she has fam- fabulous glasses. I don't think I you've got as that. far as I have. Oh, okay. She's a horrible human. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have a terrible relationship. I mean, yeah. it's very toxic, but she is more exciting than Jason mm. Biggs. But, yeah, yeah. And Jason Biggs gets a nice little ride off into the sunset at the end of the second mm. season. I don't think he's in it very much anymore. He probably turns up later on. The outside characters are brilliant. The people in charge of the prison are brilliant. I think every season is a little bit too long. These shows are an hour, and it's just too long. If it was three quarters an hour to half an hour... It, these would absolutely fly by, but I think every episode is just that little bit too long, as sometimes happens on Netflix. Mm. Um, but it's all right. Like, Can I ask a question? Yeah. In the early, because I think I stopped maybe series two, I can't remember. I can't yes. remember because they all sort of merge into each other. In most of the episodes of Orange is the New Back, they concentrate on one particular character, and mm. it's one of the, the inverted commas, wacky characters around the outside. Yes. And you get to learn something about them that maybe you didn't know. Yeah. It's very much in the sort of the vein of, I know it's a completely different show, but like in the early uh, series of Lost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where you think you know someone and then you get a flashback mm. and you find out something completely different about it. And there's some fabulous episodes in Orange is the New Black where it completely turns on its head of what you think about these people and, and where they come from and what they've had to go through in their life. And actually, people that you think might be, in inverted commas, goodies, yes. turn out to be people who are actually quite unwell. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. I know exactly which episode you're thinking yes. of in the second series. Yes. Um, and I can't tell you at the minute what that character's called no, because I'm no. only on the second series of episode three. But does that... Does that carry on? I know if you're only on, you're only a couple in, but yeah. does that carry on? Yeah, it does. Because um, I think that's one of the best things about the show. And it also, so I've just watched an episode which concentrates on the sea, on the prison guard Bennett, mm-hmm. who is a former Marine. He's got one leg and gets in quite a situation with one of the inmates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is all right. And I'm just, I'm just happy just watching it in the background and then forgetting about it in between and just seeing it pop up on Netflix and going, oh, I'll just watch that. I'm also watching. Penny Dreadful season two. Oh, God. I think this is the best worst TV show on uh, that I've seen. Mm. This is not a good TV show. No. Uh, yet somehow I'm coming towards the end of the second season. I keep seeing bits of it in the background when you're watching it. So I'll like come downstairs, you're finishing off an episode, and I just cannot understand how you're just sitting through it. Because the dialogue's terrible, the acting's all over the place... I was quite excited that Billy Piper popped up in one of the episodes. Billy Piper's so one of the main Billy characters. Billy Piper is, is brilliant. I really love Billy Piper as an actress. Mm. And that made me feel a little bit warmer towards it. But it just looks... There are really I good people in this. And I think this is... this is what. So this is a, um, old Victorian comic books brought to life. I think you watched something... Was it Dickens a couple of years ago? What, where they had all of the... All the all the people from a from Charles Dickens' book. Yes. But it, I think it was called Dickensian or that something That could be like it, that. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is basically the same thing, just mm. through sort of old monster mysteries and stuff like that. So it's got Josh Hartnett in, it's got Eva Green in, who is really bad in this. But... I think the problem with Eva Green at the moment is that she just seems to be playing the same character in all the things that she does. So when yeah. I see her in this, when I see her in a Burton film... She's just got the same look of a woman who has been through a life, yeah. who has something sort of supernatural going on with her, who has these wide eyes and these wild looks, and that's essentially it. Well, the thing is, when she looks angry, she looks like a, like an eight-year-old girl that's angry mm. who's got a hump because she's been told she can't have any pudding. Yeah, absolutely. But there is some really good people in this. So Timothy Dalton is absolutely loving himself, uh, having a lovely old time. Yeah. Overacting, Rory Kinnear plays, I don't think it's a spoiler to say, he plays Frank, Dr. Frankenstein's monster in this. Harry Treadaway uh, plays Dr. Frankenstein very, very well. Simon Beale plays a all-about-town man who you mean knows... like Simon Russell Beale? Sa- sorry, Simon Russell Beale, okay. yes. Yeah. Again, everyone is having an absolutely lovely time. Uh, Helen McCrory pops up for a little bit. But are you having a lovely time, Mark? Because I'm not having a lovely time when I see a bit of it. 
you know, in the background. I look at it and I just think this looks awful. Yeah, but it's it's fun awful. And I, I, I get something out of it. Like, it's just fun just to put on. It's an hour long. It's too long. It's the same as Orange is New Black. But it just is people overacting and clearly enjoying themselves. And sometimes something gross happens. And sometimes sometimes there are plotline twists, which I don't see coming. And I think that's always a good thing. But... Yeah, don't watch this unless <laughs> I like. I cannot recommend this to anyone, but it is it is a guilty pleasure for me. I wonder if at the moment, you know, we've watched lots of new things recently. Yeah. I wonder if this week with you, you were very very busy at work this week. Yeah. Things things are very busy in your world. I wonder whether this week you didn't need anything new. You just wanted good old faithfuls yeah. that you could just switch on, not really worry about. And like you say about oranges and new black for you. You just watch it and you don't have to think about it. And Penny Dreadful, I imagine, having seen what I've seen, would be the same thing. So you don't have to necessarily concentrate a huge amount and you don't go off, you know, you don't go off to work in the morning thinking mm. about the ins and outs of these particular shows. Is, is that fair? I think that's probably right. There's one more thing that I'd really like to talk about, and this really is a recommendation. So, you know how sometimes you get films that are released at the same time on the same subject? Yeah. So famously, Deep Impact and Armageddon yes. both came out the same summer. Uh, K9 and Turner and Hooch both came out the same summer. I mean, that, that's different. Yeah, 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 yeah. And occasionally get them with TV shows. So I think Grimm and uh, Once Upon a Time came out the same time and 30 Rock and Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip both about the same thing. So a few years ago, same summer, Silicon Valley came out and was really successful, HBO comedy. But at the same time, um, Halt and Catch Fire came out. And I've never heard anyone talk about this. But this is really, really good. Um, it's set in the 80s, and it is about people setting up a small computing company that's aiming to take over the world. Essentially, it's the story of Apple without it being Apple. Um, the cast in this is so good. So you've got Lee Pace uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy, from the Hobbit films, is he in? Yes, I, th- I, I think he's in Lord of the Rings, but it's, he's in one, one or the other. No, it's Hobbit, I've just is looked it, it off. Yeah. Uh-oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> my knowledge of uh, Tolkien films has gone down. <laughs> uh, Scoot McNeary. Oh, lovely Scoot. Uh, was he in... Was he in True Detective last year? Yes, he was. Or was he in one of the True Detective likes? I think he. I think he was yeah, in, it was he, True Detective, and he was also um, like he was in Gone Girl, and like he's had lots of bit bit parts. He's in a lot of the, yeah. He's, he was in Argo as well, I think. <laughs> so yeah, who else is in uh, it? Mackenzie Davis. Oh, brilliant! Who people? I don't know. If people would so recognize her name, but mm. she was the she was the Terminator in the new Terminator film that's just yeah. come out. Uh, she's in an episode of Black Mirror. She's in a brilliant episode. One of the best episodes is of she Black in, Mirror ever. Um, Sam. Bernardino, is that what it's called? Oh, it's San something, and I can't yeah. remember what it is. Oh, memory at the minute. We're so, terrible, we're so isn't impressionable it? this way. This is yeah. terrible. But Blade yeah. Runner, Blade Runner, uh, the, the new Blade Runner. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Kerry Bichet, I think her name is, oh, who is not someone I've ever sort of come across. Mm-hmm. But she's in, she's in, she's also in Argo. Um, I think she's in the new Penny Dreadful program as well, I think I saw. City of Angels. She was in the Romanoffs, which was... Do you remember that? Oh, I do remember that. That was awful. Don't watch the Romanoffs. Yeah, don't ever watch the Romanoffs. It's dreadful. Mm. This is one of them things where, you know, in the West Wing, where the goods talk politics Mm. and you have no idea what they're talking about, but it's entertaining down to the characters and the cast. And by the end of it, you're kind of like, well, I kind of understand by people's reactions what that is. This is the same with technology. They talk about doing stuff to PCs and, oh, we need a KX8000. And you've no idea what that is, but you just take them on their word. Um, it's all on Amazon Prime. There's four seasons of it. There are 45 minutes. I think there are only about eight episodes per season. And it absolutely flies by. Seriously, give this a go because um, I know you've sort of kind of kind of caught the back of this and yeah. been quite entertained. Yeah, unlike Penny Dreadful or some mm. of the other things that you watch, I've I've watched this and thought, oh, there's a real historical perspective about this show. I wish I'd sort of watched it from the beginning with you. Yeah, um, it might be something that I ca- catch up with at some point in time. But I know a lot of people are asking um, us weirdly, <laughs> um, asking us, oh. 
as there was show, what what can I watch next on Amazon Prime? What can yeah. I watch next on Netflix? And a lot of these that you're talking about now are things that that you could uh, you could recommend to some people, I think. Yeah. Um, and some you might say, "I'll give it a go if you just want if you just want something weird in the background." Yes. But Halt and Catch Fire, I think, out of everything that you've spoken about, there is the one that I think is 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 the most interesting of the shows and probably has the most from you know i love an analytical perspective Mm. so from an analytical perspective i could sit and just look at the aesthetics of the show i could look at the historical perspective of the show as well and even though i know absolutely nothing about technology i think it's really interesting to look at a company like that in the 80s and see where we've come to now and it doesn't go the places you think it's going to go so the second series there is big changes to the dynamic in the show um yeah it's yeah watch it right then what have you been watching so whilst you've been watching old shows yes i have been watching two new shows and they're both on brand here crime documentaries (laughs) (laughs) so first of all we've got reported missing and this is a bbc one show it's returning for its third series it does exactly what it says on the tin in that we are following the police when someone is reported missing these are not historic missing persons cases you are there in the police station when the phone call comes in and someone says my husband brother friend has gone missing and then you follow the case all the way through to its conclusion and what i think is really interesting about this show is that it covers all ages all demographics so you've got in one episode sometimes episodes cover multiple missing persons cases sometimes they just cover one and they focus on the one so we're looking at things like teenagers that have had a fight with their parents and have gone off you know sort of angry off into the street and we don't know where they've gone and then we we can turn to maybe people in their 70s who have got dementia who just haven't turned up to an appointment that they usually go to what i'm thinking of when you're saying this is like 24 hours in police custody yeah it's it's very much like that which you love and which therefore... i love yeah it is yeah. and i'm gonna in a minute i'm gonna talk about 24 hours in police custody i think i think it had to bbc as well although i was thinking it was um, channel 4 but I I'm going to go on to talk okay. about a channel they kind of all get, get mixed up yeah yeah absolutely but I'm going to come on to talk about a channel 4 crime documentary in, in, in a moment as well so I think this is this show reported missing is really absorbing you are following the case all the way through it's not in real time obviously but you are there in people's living rooms um, watching the police interview the friends and family you're then back at the police station but then you're also out looking at the places where these people might have gone it sometimes ends in tragedy. And I was about to, to ask that, yeah. I have to warn people for that because it's not always, and I've been watching this show since 2017 mm. um, when the first series came out. So I've been watching it from the beginning and there have been some really upsetting episodes and some things that I can really bring to mind straight away okay. um, where things have ended in the way that you would not like them to. Yeah. Um, but there are also some some n- nicer endings as well uh, where people have been found and maybe got the help that they, they needed to move forward. The, the, the new series, there's been one episode so far, which is the one that I've watched this week. It was very strange. It was not your archetypal reported missing episode. It was a very complex case involving a veteran who had PTSD, who obviously went missing. Mm. Um, the uh, We were led to believe that he um, intended to take his own life. And so there, w- there was a real sense of urgency and emergency around the whole, um, the whole case itself. But there were there were things that weren't quite right and there were lots of questions to be asked and there just seemed to be things that were missing in the story and you you got a bit at the end where you know where it finishes a program finishes and then you get some text at the end that gives you an insight into something yes but you just don't get the entire story So it was a bit peculiar and I was looking for reviews of this episode to see if people felt the same way. Mm. And Anita Singh from The Telegraph said that it was, quote unquote, strangely unprobing. And that, I thought, really summed up what I felt about the show, or at least this episode. Mm. So I'm interested to see what happens next week. Yeah. Or whenever the next episode is, because I've watched this on iPlayer. So I haven't yeah. watched it at the time it's it's gone out live. Um, 
I'm interested to see where it goes because that seemed to be a very strange episode. I do really recommend, if you love your crime documentaries, if you like following the police in their, their job, if you like looking at things to do with the criminal justice system and also... I mean, this is that missing persons unit, so very specific elements of policing. This is a really good documentary. And actually, Anita Singh said that in her in her Telegraph review. You know, this is one of the better documentaries. But don't worry too much if you watch this first episode and then sort of come away and go, hmm, I'm not too sure about that. Because I felt exactly the same way. And I think the next episodes will maybe go back to the show that, that I've known for the past few series. Okay. So... Then I'll go on to the... the I'll, move, I'll move on to the Channel 4 crime documentary, which... It's been a laugh a minute around this house this week, hasn't it? <laughs> well, again, we're following the police with this one. Um, but this time we're swapping over, like I say, to Channel 4. And this programme is called Crime and Punishment. But again, you, what were you going to ask us? I was getting mixed up because I was thinking Law and Order. And, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 So again, it's a long-standing series. There's been lots of these episodes out out before, focusing not just on the police, but on all the different elements of the criminal justice system. So the prison service, looking at parole, looking at segregation units, and then um, also looking at probation. So when you come out of prison, what happens there? And in the most recent episode, which is called to catch a sex offender because most of these have crime and punishment and then a colon and then they have a like a subtitle this one is called to catch a sex offender we're looking at two rape cases from the perspective of the police so looking at them gathering evidence and then presenting that evidence to the cps who then have to decide whether the case is able to be taken forward and, and meets the criteria for a charge this documentary is compelling, it's heartbreaking, and it's rage-inducing. I imagine so. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, I mean, it's excellent. It really is. But it shows us exactly why we are failing survivors of rape. And it shows us how frustrated the police are when they've gathered all this evidence mm. and they've, they've got what I considered to be, or what I consider to be, sort of black and white cases of sexual predators, mm. and then showing their frustration in having to get that case to court. And we know that we have problems in this country with, first of all, rape being reported, yeah, then getting a charge, and then getting a conviction. Absolutely. And it really, really digs into that system. And actually that you can just see how heartbroken the police are at times that they're having to deal with the the fallout of of the a system that is failing survivors of rape it really made me fear actually um without putting people off this this document because i think it needs to be seen but it really made me fear for my own safety and for the safety of my friends because it shows you sexual predators out on the street and people who may seem to be having good intentions and them then not. Um, so it, it really, really opened my eyes to that, but also to how you then take that forward into mm. uh, into charging someone and taking the, the case forward. I think this would be absolutely brilliant to show students in law school. Um, I don't teach criminal law, but if I did, I'd be sticking this on the syllabus because there's so much to pick apart and there's so much to analyse and to look at and, and to really discuss. I think this is, obviously I've not seen it, but these are a lot of the, um, these are a lot of the subjects that are broached in I May Destroy You, okay. which we spoke about a few, uh, a couple of months ago. Mm. Um, it's, it's really strong in certain cases. I, I really recommend you go back and watch that if you can face it, because okay. it is very, very tough at points, mm. but they, they do touch upon uh, consent and sort of how the police treat different types of circumstances mm. um and yeah it's I, I i mean i've not seen this you've not seen so we can't mm. do a direct comparison but yeah it's similar themes. yeah similar themes definitely there was one bit in this documentary i thought was absolutely like my jaw was on on the ground and it's when they show you a documentary from this i think it was the 70s 
and the way the police were treating this survivor of rape and like it was a, it was almost like comedic it was almost like it was a take on mm. what you would have thought police in that time were doing there was a guy like a police both men talking to this woman who is then who's giving this in you know in-depth um account of a, a awful crime against her and there's one in the corner going I just don't believe you. I just don't believe you. You're lying, aren't you? You're like it was. You know, it was. It was laughable. It's a little bit life on Mars. Yeah. Yeah. But it was. It was a documentary that was shown at the Mm. time. And can you believe that that was deemed to be like a a decent documentary? Oh, look how good the police are. Mm. Um, And what I really took out of it from looking at that was just how far we we've come and okay. how far the police have have come mm. in terms of their treatment of uh, survivors of rape and I, I know it's obviously a, a really really difficult subject and it may not be what some people want to sit down and and watch and i can completely understand that but i i thought it was a a very very good look at a re- a difficult but important issue okay um I'm probably not going to watch them. I'll be no, honest. No, it, it's they're not for you, and that's yeah. why I'm saying it's totally on brand for me because you know how much I love a crime documentary. Yeah. Um. The the next one in this series is called has the subtitle of Criminal Kids, where they're looking at um children that get into crime, and, and that looks really interesting. But again, it wouldn't be something that I would say to you. Let's sit and watch this tonight, Mark. Yeah, I'll probably just put my headphones in. Yeah. If that's the case. You probably watch your Penny Dreadful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd rather watch Penny Dreadful yeah. than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what else I'd rather watch? You'd rather watch A Simple Plan, which is our date night film this week. You've got no idea about this, have you? I've got no idea. And like, I keep thinking, is it like a crime thing? Because A Simple Plan leads you down. That's almost like Great Train Robbery or, you know, it's, it's, mm. it's some, it sounds like something criminal. But I have no idea. I cannot draw from the depths of my brain any remembrances of you talking about this and I know film like I know my memory is like just failing me at the moment Mm. but I know film I'm not like someone who doesn't read film magazines or listen to film podcasts and yet I cannot think at all about this film well we'll carry on then just watch it we're just gonna have to yeah there is nothing to say. I hope that this works in that context where you're going in completely cold. Mm. I didn't know much about it, I don't think, when I first saw it. But, uh, yeah, let's let's put it on. Let's do it. Look at all them birds. Those things are always waiting on something to die so they can eat it, right? What a weird job. That's an airplane. I wonder how long it's been here. It's probably one of those drunk doctors. You know how they're always crashing their plane, you know? Oh my god, look at this! Those are hundred dollar bills. I bet it's drug money. You know what if this guy's a dope dealer? Or we're just like Robin Hood. <laughs> it's a police matter now. What do you think we should do? What if we didn't turn it in? It's stealing. It's the American dream and a gym bag. He just wants to walk away from it. You work for the American dream, you don't steal it. Then this is even better. <laughs> Look how square it is. So somebody comes searching for the money, I'll burn it. Look, we gotta be agreed on this. Would you have done the same thing? I mean, if you'd been there instead of me. I wish somebody else had found that money. Does it scare you? Yeah, it scares me. What if he tells somebody? Just stick to the story and we'll skate right through. Man from the FBI is gonna be driving through. Seems they're looking for a lost plane. I want my share. Plan was to sit on the money oh, till we on, decide that it's on, safe to keep. It looks like there's two sides now. We're all in this together, man. You had to pick right now. Who would it be? You, you're my brother. From now on, we have to be thinking ahead all the time. As someone who's been properly trained, there are many ways to detect a liar. You're just a normal guy, a nice, sweet, normal guy. They're gonna know. No, they won't. You think you can take us out there? Can you tell us what this is all about? Looking for a plane? I'm taking the money back right now. You gotta get out of there. Everything okay? He's gonna shoot all three of you as soon as he sees the plane. Don't move! We gotta make this look like it was an accident. They're not gonna take me away, are they? We're the ones who need that money! He just wants it! Put the gun down! Take off! Well, I'm trying to come up with a plan. Don't turn your back! Yeah! No! Blumenau, Mark. 
That was a bit of a downer for our wedding anniversary. <laughs> that wasn't the jaunty crime spree film that I thought you were going to give us for this ro- most romantic of days. <laughs> so, spoilers for A Simple Plan. Yes. From 1998. Featuring... You can now answer these questions. I know. Bill Paxton. Yes. Game over, man. Game over. Sorry, I've been I've been dying to do that all the way through the film, but the tone wasn't quite right. No. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Yep. And Bridget Fonda. Yes. Being the main three. The, yeah, the three leads. Yeah. Along with um, another guy whose name I don't know, but... Even though the credits have just come up. Yeah. And also, at the beginning of the film, they do that thing that we love where you actually get, like, who's in it. And who the music's by and who the director is. Well, it was handy for you, wasn't it? Knowing nothing about it. It was. And music by Danny Elfman as well, who we have been to see. We have been to see, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, obviously he's very associated with uh, Stan... uh, Not Stan... uh, Sam Raimi. (laughs) Yeah, the director. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He does a lot of his films um, along with Tim Burton. Yeah. And also, do you know who he's married to? Danny Elfman? Yeah. No... Should I? Bridget Fonda. Is he? Yes. Like, like still married to her, not just like he was married to her at the time? No, as far as I know, yeah, they're still married. Oh, wow. Yeah, cause she's, she's obviously retired from acting now. I didn't know that at all. Uh, let me just double check, when yeah. When he came wandering across the stage at the Royal Albert Hall, that did not... She might have been there. Yeah, she might have been. Everyone else seemed to be that night. Let's have a look. Yeah, no, married Bridget Fonda in 2003. Wow. I mean, he's punching, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She is great in this. Do you think? Yes, I do. Okay. So let's start on your thoughts for this. Yes, before I get into character and <laughs> Bridget Fonda and Danny Elfman marrying her. Yeah. Um, oh, this is really hard for me, Mark. I've been struggling with this film. And all the way through, I've been thinking, what is it that's not clicking with me? Okay. Because on the face of it, this should be like a five-star film. It should be ticking all the boxes. And I think there's two things. Yeah. First of all, I just had anxiety all the way through it. Yeah. Which I think we need to talk about the premise following on from this. Yeah. To sort of explain that. But Mm. first of all, it was just anxiety-inducing. I've bitten all my nails off. Yeah. And I've been sat just biting all the way through. So I wasn't enjoying it, in inverted commas. But secondly, I was really put off by the performance of Billy Bob Thornton. Really? Mm. So to get into those things, should we just do a brief covering of what this film is actually about? Yeah. Okay, do you want me to do that? Yeah, I think yeah. you're best, best placed. Okay, so three friends are walking through the woods. Uh, who is Bill Paxton, Billy Bob Thornton, who are brothers, mm. uh, and their friend, who the I'm other just, guy, the other guy. Who I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna look up now. Uh, let's just so we can do that. Uh, Brent Brisker, um, I, he, this is his top credit. Um, he's also been in the Green Mile and Mulholland Drive. Okay. So yeah, he's. Um, so they're walking through the forest. Walking through the forest, trying to find a dog, and they come across a crashed plane. Which is covered in snow because it's been snowing really heavily. I think it's set at Christmas, it's, isn't it? It's set in Christmas in Minnesota, mm. so obviously far north of the US. Um, obviously, it's very deep snow, so mm. snow falls off this. They find it, they go in, and in there they find a pilot who is looking like he's long dead. Yes. And a sack, which is full of $4.4 million. Yes. In a hundred dollar bills. Yeah. So the three of them come up with what is ostensibly a simple plan that Bill Paxton, who was doubtful about what he should, who was saying we should go to the police, will hold on to the money until the spring, at which point the plane will be found and then they will know whether they are able to keep the money or dispose of it. Um, see if it's safe to keep the money and go their separate ways. Or, or if they have to dispose of it. I'm really sad that no one at that point went, 
I've got a simple plan or (laughs) that's a really simple plan because I was waiting for the title of the film to come up but no one said it. (laughs) No one said it. No, no, it's not like, yeah. No, it's not that sort of film. (laughs) And then what happens is everyone starts panicking, everyone starts overthinking things and the simple plan, if they'd have kept to it, probably would have been fine. But everyone's second-guessing each other, and it just goes into a kind of... I mean, <laughs> talk about Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi put this on the back of probably his horror work, because it is a suspenseful film. The music goes along with that, and it, it is very much a... It, it, it's a horror without it actually being a horror. Mm. Uh, it's a suspense thriller, I think is the th- uh, thing they say. People end up interfering with their plan and make make an untimely death. They then have to cover that up, add queuing to more paranoia, queuing to more... It just spins completely out of control, doesn't it? So when someone comes along and they think that they might be foiling the plan, Mm. Jacob, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Jacob hits this person over the head. Jacob's Billy Bob Thornton's character. Jacob's Billy Bob Thornton hits his bloke over the head and then they think that he's dead. So Hank, his brother, says, right, okay, I'll, I'll sort it out. But then, of course, this guy isn't really dead. Mm. So Hank then smothers him yeah. and covers it up. So it's just one thing. That's just one example, isn't it? Yeah. And it, there, there are many other deaths. There are so many unnecessary deaths because it just keeps... Just the ante keeps going up and up and up mm. and up. And they just more lies and more lies and trying to cover them what it doesn't help what doesn't help as well bridget fonda is on the outside of this and is sort of pecking away he plays bill paxton's wife and he's pecking away at bill paxton sort of overthinking things and paranoia and saying oh no you can't do this you can't trust him you can't trust her she uh, comes up with most of the plans following on from the simple plan yeah he tells her the simple plan she goes oh no you've got to do this yeah and then the next thing happens where well, you've now got to do this and- you need to put five hundred thousand dollars back in the plane so if someone finds it then they the, no one would leave five hundred thousand dollars so yeah you've got to go and record someone who does a false confession so you can hold it against them in blackmail she's coming up with all of these she's almost a lady macbeth figure she totally is you're totally right that's what i was going to say you stole my idea (laughs) but it is i think this is one of the most suspenseful films i've seen for a long time you're Um, absolutely right i think that word just totally encapsulates everything Mm. I want to say about it and that's where the anxiety comes from because I am panicking inwardly when I'm watching this film thinking don't do that don't do that that's going to lead to this and then the lies and the more lies and the cover-ups and then the deaths and you think right now is the time to stop this you've got to go to the police you've got to you've got to draw a line on it somehow but then also knowing that if you just keep it going you could get away with it yeah and I think they were probably in a situation where they could get away with it, and uh, by spoilers for the end of the film, they were in a situation where they could get away with it, um, and then they find out that the money's been traced. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and earlier on in the film, Bridget Fonda, through some brilliant librarian skills, because she works in a library, finds some cuttings from the local newspaper that says that the money is unmarked. But it turns out that they didn't mark the money, but they've written down all the serial numbers. So, Mm. yeah, bad times for Bill. Not really sure how she found that out. No, neither. She just brought without the internet. Yeah, she just brought some like photocopies of the newspaper, which she sent had sent from another branch. Yeah, I mean that's a paper trail. Back in the day. It's only 98. Yeah, it's 98. They would have had the internet. I don't know whether this is necessarily set in Mm, 98. It doesn't feel it. This is an adaptation of a novel which took place in 1993, or was released in 1993 anyway. Yeah, it it feels a lot earlier than that. It just doesn't quite Mm. ring true that it's sort of nearly the millennium. We need to talk about Billy Bob Thornton. Yes, please. That is my major issue. So Billy Bob Thornton is playing... He is a he is a simple character. He mm. is an unemployed drunk. He 
he is playing someone who is in the shadow of his far more intelligent brother. Um, and he sits around, he gets drunk all day on the porch of his apartment and doesn't have a job mm. and just goes from life to life. And he's actually quite a sad character. He's uh, He makes a confession at a certain point saying he's never been kissed. Uh, somewhat, he once got together with someone, but it turns out she was just doing it for a for a $100 bet for, to, to go and live with him for a month. Uh, he once held his hand and got all sweaty and then he sometimes sees her and she says hello which she doesn't have to do it's very very sad and I think he comes to a uh, an end which we probably don't need to go into at this point but the first time I watched this I was completely with you and Billy Bob Thornton I think was the worst part of the film having watched this again I don't have the same feelings and I don't know whether it's just the fact that I've not seen a Billy Bob Thornton film in a while, and it's just it just it doesn't seem as much of a performance now. It just seems like it. I can see the character, but I can understand where your problem is. Um, and I think you've again you've caught on to the word that I thought of earlier on when I was watching this, which is performance. Mm. It just feels so performed. He's got fake teeth. I don't know whether he's got some other prosthesis as well with the nose and the ears. It just His face just doesn't look right. The teeth are pushing his lips forward. So you can see he's struggling with the teeth anyway, which are all yellow and brown. And yeah. He's got this... The hair is all down by the side of his face and he wears this hat. It felt... Oh, no. Also, he's got glasses, which are like got the plaster... Like Jack a plaster Duckworth. in the middle Plast- of them. Jack yeah. Duckworth glasses. Yeah. <laughs> so it just felt like that was meant to be a comedy performance. It felt like a sketch from from something, like a small sketch. Hang on a minute. And then, like, I know you're trying, you're going to say something. And then, But then at other times, you felt there was a glint in the eye and you felt that there was more intelligence there. And I don't know whether that's Billy Bob Thornton shining through or that's him trying to imbue this character with more than just being, like you say, a simple daft bloke who is in the shadow of his brother. I So I, I would agree with you the first time I watched it. This time I got far more of the, the glint behind the eye being part of the character. Um, but doesn't that just go against everything that you're told about this character, not just from other people, but all of his his characteristics, the the way that he behaves, and then to suddenly be like, oh, but he's more intelligent than you think. But the glint comes once he's out the shadow of his friend. Once once his, shad, once his friend is off the scene, he suddenly becomes more... Um, it becomes more responsible. He's he's not just sat there getting drunk with his friend. And yeah, I, I, I that's how I took it this time. Mm. The way you are describing him, um, I know you've never seen Tropic Thunder, but there is a Ben Stiller parody of someone who is challenged, um, learning disabled in Tropic Thunder. And I think some of the things they get from him, because he wears false teeth, mm. he wears stupid long hair. Mm. Uh, I think he's called Simple Jack in that. And... And and also like this is going to be my other point. Mm. I didn't. I wondered whether this was. I don't know whether I felt uncomfortable with the performance because playing someone who is potentially learning disabled in mm. this manner, it just didn't quite sit right with me. Mm. But then also to have this thing of oh, but he's not as. I, I can't think of the right way of describing it, but that there's something more that almost like it's a performance. He's doing a performance, this this Jacob. Mm. And none of that triangulates for me. Okay, well, that's that's fair enough. Um, Billy Bob Thornton got one of two Oscar nominations for this film. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Like, just no. That's, yeah. Well, that just cements what I feel then. I clearly don't feel right about this. I was surprised when I read this before before reading it. I am now more with it, having seen it for... Well, it's probably the fourth time I've seen this film, but it's a long time since I have seen it, and I probably... Yeah, I, I can't quite... I don't. I can't put in words why this worked for me more this time than it did last time. But yeah, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Um, lost out to James uh, Coburn, I think it was. Uh, he also nominated for Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor. And he nom- uh, lost out to... Um, Truman Show, Ed Harris. Oh, okay. 
Uh, it might be the other way around, but yeah, it's certainly one of them too. I wish I knew what he was trying to do, and I don't know whether... I was thinking when we were watching it, I need to read reviews of this. Okay. I need to read analysis of this, because I'm just it just doesn't sit right with me, and I, I would like to know what he was going for. Mm. Was well, he actually going for someone who actually had a bit more of a plan themselves that could switch because he switches in one scene there's a scene where they're um the two brothers are with this this friend this third friend and they're trying to get the friend drunk in order to get the friend to falsely confess to a murder that hank the brother Mm. um bill paxton has actually um carried out yeah jacob leads bill paxton down this avenue of thinking that he's actually sided with his friend and he does it so convincingly that i was totally taken with it i was thinking oh yeah he's saying oh my brother's playing me off against you and actually he's never been a proper brother and then you realize as this goes on that that's jacob's way of getting this guy to be on his side and to play the game of, oh, you be Hank, I'll be the police chief, and you pretend to confess. You Come on, we'll play. And that's so clever. That's so clever. But we don't see any other evidence of Jacob having that thought process in any other part of the film, bar possibly the end, mm. which I don't know whether you want to talk about now i don't think i I don't think it influences what i think of the film so Mm. i I don't think i feel a need to say it because i still think there might be some people listening to this who Mm. might watch it and i would i would recommend this film every day uh it's for like i say it's for free on the iplayer at the minute for the next like three months for reasons i'm not particularly sure of (laughs) um i don't know why it's free on the iplayer i think it was i think it's it's under the bbc3 banner for some reason yeah yeah, because this isn't a BBC Three film, obviously, yeah. and it's yeah. But hey, look, a free film's a free film. Uh, so yeah, I think it's I think it is a Sunday night film. Um, I think we're in a very good mood today, and this might not have been the film in hindsight if Agreed. we hadn't have uh, been in this mood. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, if if yeah, I think there might be a different film I'd I'd pick. Uh, it's quite what we've gone for previously mm. like Rambo obviously that you know I absolutely loved Rambo yeah. clearly isn't a laugh a minute but there was more sort of entertainment yeah. in it than I think th- this is entertaining in a different way this is entertaining in a clever way this is entertaining in a what's going to happen I mean I never knew what was going to happen one scene to the next mm. but it has this lingering horror tone you know there are, there are some scenes that you're just looking at old abandoned houses or ravens pecking away at people mm. and it's got a very stark feeling to it. Whereas at least Rambo kept moving all the time and it had this, you know, um, like there's loads of people in the forest and they're all going to go after Sylvester Stallone and he's going to get away from them. That sort of vibe to it. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think on another day where maybe it had been a bit more of a quiet, a relaxing day. Yeah. Where, with not much going on, mm. this might have been sort of... Mo- we might have been in a, a better mood for a more thought-provoking piece. I think, yeah, I think you're probably right. But, hey, look, from what I can say, I think you respect it more than you enjoy it. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. I can see the work that's gone into it. I mm. can see the direction, the performances mm. by Billy Bob Thornton that I just can't get my head around. Bill Paxton is always a joy to watch. Obviously, sadly, no longer with us. Bridget Fonda, does, I really enjoyed her Lady Macbeth um, <laughs> take-off. Um, and all the supporting characters as well. You know, it really felt to me, and given that I've never, ever seen a film directed by these people, yeah. but it really felt like a Coen's film. Well, obviously, <laughs> like a Coen there's Brothers. a huge connection between the Coens and Sam Raimi. They are great friends right. and... Um, Sam Raimi wrote the Hugsucker proxy for them. Um, yeah, they work together all the time. And there are obviously Danny Elfman is a bit um is worked with the Cohen brothers for a fair bit, I think. And there's there's a lot of crossover between the two of them. Um, oh, I'm glad that made sense then, because having never seen a Cohen Brothers film, but I know about 
about the aesthetic. You've I know never about, seen a Coen Brothers no, film? No, never seen a Coen Brothers film, but I know some because they've got such a specific... Well, this changes everything. <laughs> yeah. oh. But you, you know one when you see one, don't you? Because you just know that... that. You do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. How have you gone through life never seeing a Coen Brothers film? Oh, I've just avoided them. You know what I'm like when I get a thing in my head and I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't, everyone's gone on about it so much that I don't want to see it. It's that sort of thing for me. Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so how familiar are you with Sam Raimi's work? So Sp- Spider-Man? I mean, I have to say, you you were looking through the credits and you, you got to Sam Raimi and you were like, just hang on a second. I know the name, but I just need to look him up. <laughs> and you were like, Evil Dead? <laughs> Spider-Man. Okay, yeah, you can start again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, top quality content, isn't it? (laughs) You know who I was getting him confused with? It's another Sam who um, did the Bonds. Sam Mendes? Yes. I got a bit confused. It's been a long day. So I got a bit confused and I was going, Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi. I was like, but yeah, I thought it was Sam Mendes. So I had to look it up and correct myself. So how many Sam Raimi films have you seen? So I've seen No Evil Deads. Okay. I've seen... Did you do two Spider-Men? Did three. Oh, I've seen all three of them then. Okay. And I think that's it. And this one. Uh, have you seen Darkman? Nope. Oh, that's a good film. Oh. Okay. You haven't seen The Quick and the Dead? No. Because that was the film we did before this, uh, which is a, a Western. Um, but I think it's kind of a... Did it have a Bon Jovi soundtrack? No, you're thinking of Young Guns. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It might have been. It might have been. Um, for after this, he did um, For the Love of the Game, which I think is a, it's a Kevin Costner baseball movie, because there's not enough of them. Ooh. Right up my street. I love a bit of Costner. Uh, the Gift, which is... Oh, I've seen The Gift. A supernatural yes, thriller. Horrific. With your mate Billy Bob back oh, again. Oh, no. I can't watch that again. And then within four years of this, he's doing Spider-Man. Right. Okay, mm. so it's a blockbuster. It's a surprise because this was a flop at the time, mm. a box office flop anyway. Uh, didn't make back its budget, um, so it obviously was quite a fair bit of a flop um, when you take into account marketing and the fact that you don't get all the money yourself. Um, it was a huge critical success. Um, it's still sat at 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it got nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay, um, it's from a book, isn't it? Yeah, it lost out to... Of Gods and Monsters. Okay, yeah. Which I watched recently, actually, yeah, if you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah remember, the James yeah. Whale film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I first watched this probably 12 years ago. I've seen it loads of times, mm-hmm. but but not for a while. Uh, probably not since we've been together. Uh, but yeah, I, this is, I, th- I think it's the atmosphere of this film that just works for me. And I think there is that, I think the best films and some of the worst films as well, have that what would you do in that situation and it's frustrating to see them mess up their chance by just not playing it cool and not sticking to their original plan and as we've learned from this listening to your wife is obviously a big problem (laughs) is that what your big takeaway from this as well yeah 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 don't listen to your wife especially when she overthinks things Oh, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> you know what this really reminded me of in the tone as well is 12 Angry Men and films of that era. And you love 12 Angry Men. Oh, yeah, 12 and Angry Men like top five film. That's another what would you do in the circumstance, I think. Yes. Not as much as this Not, one. But, yeah. You know, you're in the room. Yeah. Um, and it's also a small cast, which this is. Yeah. It just it felt like a classic piece, I think, is what I'm trying to say. A bit mm. like 12 Angry Men. Okay, well, I mean... So it, I can see why you like it. Yeah, this one of them films that has been forgotten, clearly, because you've never heard of it, apart from all the times I've mentioned it to you. And you know what? I'm really sorry, hun, but I still, even when all the cast came up, director, when the film was in full flow, at no point could I then recall you ever talking to me about this film. There shall not be a third wedding anniversary. <laughs> so... Given all that, yeah, what would you? It's hard because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to just give it sort of like, I don't want to give it just like three stars because that's where I was at part way through. I was thinking, mm. yeah, it's, it's just a three. 
because I think on a different day I might feel completely differently about it and the Billy Bob Thornton thing has sort of thrown me off a little bit I'm I'm somewhere between three and a half and four okay I feel that if if I was looking at like our favorite film magazine Empire for example I feel that they would give it like a four or a five so I feel from a from a classic film review perspective it it's clearly over there but if we're looking at sort of like enjoyment and with i don't think i'd watch it again and yeah. you know that's probably I mean, three and a half for me okay i think i think that's fair i don't think it's fair but um <laughs> i don't think it's a perfect film i think there is an absolute five star 90 minute one hour three quarters film in there I think at some points scenes do go on a little bit too long. I think the the scene where they are all drunk and trying to set up, trying to set up the friend. I think that needs a good five minutes cutting out of it. There's a lot of preamble to before it gets into the good stuff, and I I think you could cut ten minutes out of this. And I think it's a really tight hour three quarter film, but two hours. It just could do with a bit of trim. I agree. I th- I think you're absolutely right. Although I wouldn't agree that that particular scene needs trimming because I think it needs the build up. Okay. And if there was anything where I wouldn't take any any mm. time out of it, it would be that scene to build and build and then have the Billy Bob Thornton switch in it. It might be because I know what's happening in that scene, yeah. and you have no idea what's gonna what's yeah. coming, and so yeah, yeah, that that's probably it. I'm, I'm waiting for the good parts. I'm the person at the at the concert shouting the band's favorite song <laughs> after the second song. <laughs> You've got a friend. Yeah, we we once went to a James what's his face James Taylor James Taylor gig, and that's all one bloke at the beginning just shouted after every song all the way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's not going to do it. Like he's either going to do it at the beginning or at the end, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. But after every single song, you've got a friend. And then you know he he comes on and then he comes on for his encore and starts talking about his friendship with Carol <laughs> King who wrote the song and the bloke still feels the need to shout out just in case he's gonna do uh, Sweet Baby James again. Uh, well, th- thank you. I really enjoyed having a film where I didn't know anything about it. Okay. Like didn't watch the trailer, didn't look it up, didn't have a clue and. It was an interesting experiment, I think. I think this film benefits from that because it is it is high concept. Yeah. It's three friends, find some money. Mm-hmm. And I think, because you wouldn't have known what was coming when they went into them woods for Haven't the first time. Yeah, yeah. Didn't have a clue mm. what was happening. Well, if you listened this far, then you've been spoiled. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we won't, I mean, we won't go into the precise ending, just, yeah. just in case people mm. want to go and, and have a look at it. Yeah. Okay. Grand. So for next week's date night... I know you're on tenterhooks. We're going to be going from high concept back to Disney. Okay. And we're going to watch the Disney version of Robin Hood. Because <laughs> as you know, I love a bit of Kevin Costner, love a bit of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. But let's go back to cartoon land and see what you think of Robin Hood. This is a big gap in my Disney Disney knowledge. I know. Do you know what I think is going to happen? No. If I did, I would be psychic. I think it's just going to go into our Disney Plus <laughs> renewing into another month. <laughs> oh, that's good. No, not really. No. No, no, no. no. You like having Disney Plus? <sighs> yeah, I think the novelty is what... There's not been anything that... Oh, I'll tell you what I do want to watch. What? On Disney Plus next week. What's There's a film on? with a gorilla making friends with a dog. Oh, you showed me that. What was... Where did you even come up with that? I, I got an email on it. They sent you yeah. an email? Yeah, about like wow. things coming on Disney Plus. Or it might have been a notification. And it's a gorilla making friends with a dog. Uh, well, that's what it looks like from... I've only seen the poster. And you got very excited about it. I did, very much so. Yeah. Because animals making friends. Well, look, Robin Hood has animals in. Yeah. I mean, they're not real, but... I don't that think this help. is a real gorilla making friends with a dog in this case. <laughs> Never know. It's not a fly in the wall documentary. Uh, right, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Good. Um, I know the story. <laughs> but do you? But do you know the story? Because this, this could be. Do I like only know how it ends? The rich... <laughs> Sorry, that is just in joke of throwback to the TV show The Tudors, which starts with you think you know the story, 
but you only know how it ends. Which is something that me and Mark say to each other over and over again. How unbearable are we? Very. And if and if we are renewing, I'm definitely reviewing the one and only Ivan next week. <laughs> is that what it's called? An adaptation of the award-winning book about one very special gorilla. Disney's The One and Only Ivan is an unforgetting tale about the beauty of friendship, the power of visualisation, significance of the place one calls home. I'm just calling a stop to the podcast now. <laughs> yeah, you can show me the picture all you want, Mark. I'm still saying it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> I thought you meant permanently. No more podcasts. Right, we're off. We'll see. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you very shortly. Thank you for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Bye. See you again. Oh, baby, don't you know about winter, spring, summer, fall? Before you go, just a reminder that you can subscribe to the Honeymoon Period Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can join in the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for The Honeymoon Pod. Finally, if you like this episode and you think someone else would too, please share it. See you next time. Oh yeah, yeah, you've got a friend